Wow, good morning, everybody. Welcome. We're glad that you're here. Glad that you're joining us for, uh, for worship this morning. Those of you joining us online, those of you here in the room, as we uh, get ready to worship God together on our church's 23rd birthday. We're, we're excited to be together. Um, we like to be in our services with this greeting that Christians have been using for a long, long time. The Lord be with you. Thank you. That, uh, I just say, you guys did not sound too enthusiastic about that this morning. Can we try that one more time? The Lord be with you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, uh, we believe that God meets us here, that when we gather together to worship him, uh, that he is right here meeting us right where we live. So let's bow our heads and pray to him as we begin. God, we are so grateful for the love that you have for us and for your invitation today uh, to kind of stop the rest of the stuff that we're doing and get together to worship you, um, to center our hearts and our thoughts on you for a bit. Um, and God, you know that we need that. Uh, some of us, we've been kind of beat down physically uh, or emotionally this past week. Some of us are just strained kind of mentally. We've been having to make decisions all week. And, and God, we need some peace. We need some comfort. We need some rest. We need some restoration. God, we need to know that there really is a God who made us and loves us and is with us. So could you make us aware of your presence today? That as we gather together, as we worship you, as we lift our voices in song, as we, uh, as we listen for your spirit speaking through the scriptures, as we pray to you, as we gather around the table of our Lord Jesus, in all that we do today, God, our, our hope, our goal, our expectation is that we might meet with you. So help us to be open to you today. Uh, help us to have hearts and minds ready to hear whatever it is you want to say. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, um, <clears throat> some of you guys are going to notice that, uh, that Mr. Svelbar's voice is a little weak this morning. He, uh, he's going through the same thing many of us are as far as, like, you know, uh, sinus stuff and voice. So today is one of those days where we really need it to be true that, uh, that these guys are not putting on a show for all of us. They are leading us as we sing to the God who has invited us to worship him. So uh, let's stand and let's sing as we begin to worship together.
to read from 1 John chapter 1 verse 6 and 7 if we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness and we lie and do not live out the truth but if we walk in the light as he is in the light we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus his son purifies us from all sin
your King. There's power in the blood. Power in the blood. Would you give David's praises to sing? There's wonderful power in the blood. Amen. Thank you. That's a, that's a great old hymn that brings some great memories back. Um, listen with, you, with me, will you, from Psalm 62. It says, I wait quietly before God, for my victory comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress where I will never be shaken. Let all that I am wait quietly before God, for my hope is in him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress where I will not be shaken. My victory and honor come from God alone, and he is my refuge, a rock where no enemy can reach me. Oh, my people, trust in him at all times. Pour out your heart to him, for God is our refuge. Please join me in praying. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are that rock, that refuge for us. Lord, when storms like rolled through this last night come, come into our lives, Lord, we know that we can hide in safety within you. We thank you, Father, that you are that strong refuge for us, where nothing can, can destroy us because you watch over us. Thank you, Father, for the power that's in your blood, the power to redeem and restore, the power to forgive, the power to wash away all that stains us, Lord, and make us white as snow. I thank you, Father, this morning for that power, for your blood, for your redemptive work. Lord, I thank you. Just, I thank you. There's really not adequate words. There never will be adequate words to tell you, to express to you, Lord, how much we owe you, how much we, 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 how much we could need to say, want to say to you, Lord. We'll never be able, and yet, Lord, we're going to work on it the rest of our lives, telling you often, always, how much we love you, how much we thank you, how much we adore you, how much we worship you, Lord. Lord, may our offerings of worship in, through song and worship through prayer, worship through giving, worship through your word, may you find it a pleasant aroma in your presence. Thank you for bringing us here this morning, for gathering us in this place and online. Thank you, Lord, for your invitation to us this morning. Pray that you'll be with us the rest of this, this service, the rest of today as we celebrate the 23 years of being a family here at Living Hope. Be with Pastor Rich as he brings us your word. And we pray asking these things in your name. Amen. Well, the peace of the Lord be with you. Thank you. Take a few moments, if you will, and pass the peace amongst yourselves. While uh, people in the room are wrapping up their conversations, I just wanted to talk to the folks joining us online for a sec to say we're glad you're with us, too. If I haven't met you, my name's Rich Schmidt. I'm the pastor here at Living Hope. And, uh, yeah, it's good to, good to be with you after a couple of weeks uh, not up front here. Uh, away two weeks ago, and then last Sunday was trying to save my voice for this Sunday. Uh, you guys let me know just how much you appreciated my dad's message uh, last Sunday. That was a good thing. But uh, for those of you who weren't able to just shake hands and catch up, please leave us a comment wherever you're watching, YouTube, Facebook, or go to livinghope.info slash connect and uh, fill out a little digital connect card. Let us know how we can pray for you, thank God with you, uh, any of that. And uh, you guys could do the same thing if you'd rather do that on your smartphone instead of grabbing a little green piece of paper back there. But if you'd rather write with a pencil or a pen, there's a little green uh, connect cards back there. You can jot us a note and leave us your contact info and drop it in the offering box. And then that way we can follow up with you this week. And uh, if you're giving today, you can drop that in the box as well. Or you can give online at livinghope.info slash give. Um, I don't think I've got any 
images on the screen, but on the back of your uh, little deals here, you see besides mentioned that today is our 23rd birthday, it's also our last call for bras. Um, so some of you know, uh, some of you might not, some of you are like, bras, what are you talking about? Uh, for the last several years, we have collected used bras for a nonprofit called Free the Girls, uh, which sends them overseas to women who are escaping from uh, sex trafficking and uh, gives them something to sell in the used clothing market to, so they have income, uh, helps them reintegrate into society. And uh, Free the Girls has been working for the last few years on expanding beyond bras and, and helping uh, other reintegration services. And, you know, those don't work in every place. And what they've found is they're working in fewer and fewer places as a, a means of helping these women um, become financially uh, independent and uh, become um, <clears throat> financially secure. So they've asked us to stop collecting bras as of, like, the end of this month. All right? So October 1st is a Sunday. If you have bras at home that you've been, like, hanging on to, because usually we, make it, we mention it in February, and uh, if you've been thinking, oh, yeah, I'll bring these in February, bring them now, all right? After that, just donate them somewhere else, all right? Give them to a friend or something. I, I don't know what you do with used bras. I don't, anyway, um, <laughs> just don't bring them here, okay, after, after October 1st. So if you have any, and I know that some, some folks, I've got friends around the community that, like, collect them at their place of, of work and stuff. They, they put the word out and people drop them off when they come in and, and, uh, and then they bring them to me in February. And I've been kind of putting the word out saying, hey, bring them, bring them in now if you've got some and then, and then quit collecting. Uh, they still have inventory, quite a bit of inventory uh, that for the women who it is working for, they'll have years worth of inventory ahead. But, uh, but uh, yeah, so they're just, they're making a shift. And if you want to know how you can continue to support their work, Free the Girls, you can go to freethegirls.org and they should have, uh, if it's not up there now, they'll have all kinds of other info there uh, for you. And there's a new Bible study starting for, for women uh, on October 3rd. It's uh, during the day on Tuesdays. If you'd like to be a part of it, it's just seven weeks long. Uh, let us know and I can put you in touch with my mom, actually, Ruth Ann. She's the one that's going to be leading that. So if you have questions about it, you can ask her later you can, as, we're, uh, as we're celebrating the birthday stuff. Hopefully you will be, you guys are 9 o'clock service. So for you to join us for the meal means like coming back because uh, I assume you're not going to stick around and sit through the same service twice. So uh, if you come back later and you're, you know, eating and you're talking to my mom, you can say, hey, tell me about that Bible study that's starting October 3rd. And she'd be happy to tell you more about it. Uh, <clears throat> All right, so uh, this morning we are continuing our journey through the book of Acts. If you got one of these on your way in, uh, you'll see some scriptures there. And uh, we are going to um, look at the kind of the next section of scripture. Well, we can't really be, we only have like two more Sundays. You know, Pastor Judy did a great job a couple of weeks ago of covering the beginning of it as we get to Pentecost Sunday and this amazing miracle of, of uh, the Holy Spirit being poured out and the, the disciples who are gathered together. This is after Jesus had risen from the dead and ascended into heaven. He's poured out the gift of his Holy Spirit, empowering them to be his witnesses, what did he say, in Jerusalem and throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, right? And, uh, and, but for the first few chapters, they're just right there in Jerusalem. They don't break out and start spreading out to the rest until like chapters 8, 9, and 10. And that's what we're going to get into today. But first, to kind of uh, give us the overview of that next section of scripture, there's like a five-minute Bible project video that we're going to watch together, and then we'll dive into the scriptures. During the first century, when the Romans ruled the known world, a grassroots countercultural movement was born in the eastern end of the empire. Yeah, it started among the Jewish people. Who for centuries now have been scattered around the known world. But no matter where they lived or what language they spoke, they kept their identity as the family of Abraham, devoted to the one true God. And every year, they would travel to Jerusalem for sacred festivals. And during one of these, the Feast of Pentecost, the visitors encountered a group of Jews who could somehow speak in everyone's native dialect. Yeah, they were telling stories about a man named Jesus who had been executed by the Romans. They claimed he had risen from the dead and was now exalted as the true king of Israel and the whole world. And this Jesus was now calling people to adopt his upside down set of values and live under his rule called the kingdom of God. And thousands of Jews decided to stay in Jerusalem and join the movement. It grew in size and in influence and gained favor with people. But not with the Jerusalem temple leaders. They viewed this whole thing as a dangerous religious sect, and they even executed one of its leaders named Stephen. It's no longer safe in Jerusalem, and so most of the followers flee to the outlying land called Judea. And you might think that's the end of the story, but actually this tragedy became the way the movement spread outside Jerusalem. That's where the second part of the book of Acts begins. 
The scattered followers end up in surprising places, like Samaria, where their ancient enemies live. Yeah, and Luke shows us how all of these unexpected people start following Jesus, like a sorcerer from Samaria who has to learn that the way of Jesus isn't about gaining power, but giving it up to serve others. There's also a story about an Ethiopian delegate who, after discussing the scroll of the prophet Isaiah with Philip, decides to join the movement. Yeah, Jesus is expanding his movement out into Judea and Samaria, just like he said he would. Which is great. But back in Jerusalem, we meet Saul of Tarsus. He's part of the religious elite who oppose the new movement, and he's finding and arresting Jesus' followers anywhere he can. This is a cruel guy. But think about it from his perspective. In the past, Israel had turned away to other gods and to false prophets, leading to disaster. He believed he was protecting Israel and God's honor by getting rid of these people. And then Saul hears that the movement spread north to Damascus. So he sets out there to find and arrest more followers. And on the way, Saul has this sudden encounter with the risen Jesus himself. Jesus asks Saul why he's fighting against them. And then Jesus commissioned Saul to now represent him to Israel and to the nations. Saul is stunned and speechless. And so he ends up in Damascus. But now he's announcing the good news about the Jesus he had just been attacking. And no one saw this coming. Totally. And the same goes for what happened next. Over in the port city of Caesarea, there was a Roman centurion named Cornelius. And he represents everything the Jewish people would hate about the Roman occupation. An angel appears to him, and he tells him to call for a man named Peter. So Peter comes, and he finds Cornelius and his friends and his family all gathered together in his home. Yeah, and this is scandalous. Jewish people don't enter a non-Jewish home to avoid ritual impurity. So what's Peter going to do? Well, right before this, Peter had a vision. God brought to him a collection of animals that his people were forbidden to eat. And then God said to Peter, eat these. And this is shocking to Peter. He says, I've never eaten anything impure. And God responds, don't call impure what I have made pure. And then that's it. The vision was over. So Peter's going to start a new diet? No, he's an Israelite, and he's honored these customary food laws his entire life. The vision was preparing him for this moment of him standing among impure non-Israelites. And he realizes that God is declaring these people are a part of the family of Abraham. And so Peter decides to stay and tell them about Jesus. And the Holy Spirit shows up just as he did at Pentecost. But now it's for a Roman centurion and his non-Jewish family. The movement is broken out. And so back in Jerusalem, Peter is now telling the other apostles about what happened, and they start getting reports about even more non-Jewish people following Jesus up in the big trade city north called Antioch. So they send a man there named Barnabas to check things out. Barnabas finds the Jesus movement alive and well in Antioch, and he finds it's made up of people from all over the world. And so Barnabas recruits Saul to come and work with him in Antioch for a year. They're teaching, living among the people there, watching the movement grow. The church in Antioch was the first international Jesus community, and it is where Jesus' followers were first called Christians, the Christ ones. And so the way of Jesus was transformed from a group of Messianic Jews in Jerusalem into the multi-ethnic Jesus movement spreading through the world. Their faith was the same. It was centered on the good news about the crucified Jesus who is the king of all nations. But that message and their new way of life was confusing, even threatening the average Roman citizen living around them. And the resulting conflict is what we'll explore next as this movement goes global, or as Jesus said, to the ends of the earth. Yeah, so that, that transition that they described there from uh, this little localized group of Messianic Jews, Jews who had believed like, yes, Jesus is the Messiah we've been waiting for, to this global uh, multi-ethnic family, that's the transition we're looking at today as this church becomes a church for all people as it lives up to what Jesus had promised it would be when he told them, you'll be my witnesses everywhere, to the ends of the earth, to all people. Because uh, <clears throat> when, when the story starts out, uh, it really is just a localized thing. Like Pastor Judy talked about two weeks ago, it's Jews from every nation who are there in Jerusalem. Actually, we've got part of that there in your notes from Acts chapter 2. Um, at that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. And uh, as they gather together because they're hearing the, this uh, amazing wind and they're hearing this commotion and then they're hearing these disciples, they can tell they're all Galileans. Uh, well, they say, how can this be? They exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee and yet we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. 
they can, they, there's this miracle that takes place. This speaking in tongues, miracle of speaking, miracle of hearing, whatever's going on there. God is doing a miracle to let them know the good news. And we know they didn't have to do that little speaking miracle for them to hear it because then Peter just gets up and addresses the crowd in a common language, explains what's going on, tells them, you know, the story about Jesus and about God's gift of his Holy Spirit, just as promised in the prophets that he poured his spirit on all people, men, women, young, old, and they're experiencing that there, right there, uh, presently, and, and thousands of people uh, sign on. And as I mentioned, for the next several chapters, this is a localized thing. It's happening there in Jerusalem. Uh, but then things get tricky. <laughs> things get difficult. Things get hard because the religious elites don't like it. They, they execute Stephen. Uh, Saul starts going around, um, causing trouble for him, and they get out of Dodge. You know, they get out of town, and they, they scatter. And uh, that's where we pick up the story uh, about, well, we'll look at Paul next week, because uh, most of the rest of the book of Acts is about, is about Paul and his journeys. Uh, but first, uh, Peter is the one. You know, Peter, the, the loudmouth, Simon called Peter, the, the one who uh, was the first to say to Jesus, like, yo, you're the Christ, you're the, son, the Messiah, the son of the living God. And, and Jesus gives him that nickname, Peter, you're the rock. I'm going to build my church on this you know, understanding of who I am, on this, on this confidence that you have in me. And just minutes later is, you know, pulling Jesus aside, rebuking him, saying like, no, no, Jesus, you're not going to go get crucified. No way. And uh, Jesus has to call him Satan. You know, this, this Peter, right? This Peter who denies knowing Jesus three times, but then uh, Jesus kind of reinstates him uh, in the end. He, Peter comes back and, uh, and Jesus lets him know, look, I, I know you love me. I love you too. You're still going to lead this thing. So Peter's one of the spokespeople. He's, he's the one bold enough to stand up and, and explain what's going on. And he's the one that God taps on the shoulder to help make it clear uh, that this thing is not just for the Jews. That this is for everyone. Uh, it's that story about Cornelius that we just mentioned, that Roman centurion. And that's Acts chapter 10. I've got part of that there in your notes. At Caesarea, there's a man named Cornelius, a centurion. So he's a, like a military leader in what was known as the Italian Regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. So he is someone who is seeking after God. He wants to do the right thing, right? He's being generous. His heart is being drawn toward God. Even though he doesn't know the story of Jesus yet, even though he hasn't understood that you know, God wants to give his Holy Spirit to him, to empower him, to guide him, to lead him, he's, he's responding to what promptings he does have. This is how God works in all of our lives. He, he begins to woo us. He begins to draw us to himself. He sends us some neighbor or some friend or some TV show or some song or something that grabs our attention, something that makes us think. Uh, we go through some life circumstance that has us kind of groping for help or for hope, and we start to wonder, is there something more here? And we start to reach out for God, and as soon as anyone reaches out for God, reach, God is right there. I mean, we only reach out for God because God is, is drawing us to, because he's enabling us to. This is God's grace at work in Cornelius' life, just like it is in all of ours. Uh, God sends an angel to Cornelius saying, hey, send for a man named Simon down at the way. So he sends people to go to Joppa where Simon's staying. And before those messengers get there, it's about a day's journey, day and a half. Before they get there, God sends this vision uh, to Peter that we saw in the thing. You know, all these unclean animals that he's being told to eat and, uh, and Peter's like, no way, I don't do that. And God says, hey, don't call it unclean if I've made it clean. Three times he has this vision. Until then there's a knock on the door downstairs, and God speaks to him again and says, hey, go with these guys. And so he does. He shows up at Cornelius' house, and uh, that's where we pick it up in verse 27. Um, <clears throat> while talking with him, with Cornelius, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, you're well aware that it is against our law. For a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. He's like, I'm, I'm breaking our laws here. I'm going to get myself in trouble by being here, by just being in your home, by associating with you. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. Peter's having a, a change of attitude, a change of heart toward people that he had thought of as outsiders, people he had thought of as other, people he had thought of as, as perhaps enemy. Now he's seeing, like, wait a minute, God's at work in their life, too. Maybe in a way that's going to surprise me. Let's see what happens. So he's responding to God's leadership. He's following where God is leading. And he, he tells them, um, 
Well, he says, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. He says, look, you're reaching out to God. God's, God's reaching right back. He says he'll accept that. It doesn't matter who you are or where you're from. You, you recognize, God, I need your help. That's that, that, that fearing him part, saying you're God and I'm not. You know, I'm not going to try to keep being my own God. I'm going to acknowledge that I'm just a creature. You're the God who made the universe. I, I understand my place in this, right? The one who fears him and who does what is right. And I'm doing my best to do what you want me to do, God. God accepts that no matter who you are or where you're from. He says, you know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. I don't know if you're noticing, as Peter's telling the story, he is, he is highlighting what God is doing, right? This is a message God sent to the people of Israel. God has anointed Jesus of Nazareth. God was with him. This is not a story about the things that we do. It's a story about the things that God does and that God has done, that God is still doing, and that we get to be a part of it. He says, we are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a cross, but God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. This is, this is the message that Peter gives to these folks who, who he knows. Like, you're, you're on the outskirts. You, you've heard about what God was doing. You've heard the stories, you know, that God has been at work through Jesus and that Jesus is the one who's going to be the judge of the living and the dead and, and everyone who believes in him, everyone who, who gives him their, their allegiance will receive forgiveness of sins through his name. It doesn't matter. There's that, that, that beautiful everyone, right, that appears from time to time in Scripture, right? It's like that, that whosoever or whoever in, in John 3, 16, right, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. It says everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. I have this feeling it's like, just like what's happened with you on Sunday morning, right? I know that you are not just glued to my every word on a Sunday morning, right? I know this is true. I know sometimes you're having a different conversation with God, you know. Sometimes you're having a different conversation with someone else. Sometimes you're, you know, playing Candy Crush or whatever. I don't know. Uh, <clears throat> I know that, uh, you know, you're not just, it's not just me and you having a private conversation the whole time. My hope is that sometimes on a Sunday morning while I'm kind of trying to help the, the word connect with our daily lives that God's Holy Spirit is talking to you. And that you're having a conversation with God. And I feel like that's what was happening with Cornelius and with his family. While Peter is saying these things, Cornelius, something in his heart is saying, yes, yes, this is true. Yes, I believe it. Yes, I give my allegiance to this Jesus that Peter is telling me about. And so while Peter's still talking, Cornelius and his family, they're like, they're saying yes in their hearts to God. And God gives them the gift of the Holy Spirit. It says the circumcised believers, in other words, the Jewish believers, the devout Jews who were following all the, all the Mosaic laws who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles, non-Jews. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Now, we don't know what this looked like exactly, right? Um, we know that they're speaking in tongues here. We don't have any word of like, you remember on the day of Pentecost, what Judy described two weeks ago, there was like the sound of this mighty rushing wind like a windstorm, and there were these little tongues of fire that came and rested on them. Neither of those get mentioned here, but the speaking in tongues does. They, they needed something to show that, like, wow, the Holy Spirit is present here. And, and Peter says, surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They've received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. God is doing something to help them know that, yep, God's at work here and now among them, just like he's been at work in you. God has accepted them just like he's accepted you. And so they are baptized and welcomed into 
the church family. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. But, uh, but it doesn't all go smoothly for Peter after this, right? I mean, Peter's crossed some lines here. He's, uh, he's, he's upset some folks, right? Uh, because he went where he wasn't supposed to go. Uh, maybe you've experienced that at some point. You know, you felt like God was leading you to, to love someone, to have a conversation with someone, to, to serve someone. And so you had to go to their place of work, or you had to cross the tracks to their part of town, or you had to, you had to go to their establishment that might, you know, your good Christian friends say, well, we shouldn't go there. This is what Peter's bumping into. And so the very next chapter, he gets, uh, he gets some talking to. <laughs> um, they, they're like, hey, you, you went to the house of a Gentile. You ate and drank with Gentiles. You're not supposed to do this. He stays the night with them before they, they head back. Actually, I think it says he stays with them for a few days. Like, you were the guest of a Gentile, of a Roman soldier. What, what, what's going on here? And so he, if you read chapter 11, he basically recounts the whole thing that just happened. He tells them the story about the vision and how God had told him, you know, hey, don't call unclean what I've made clean. And, and I show up and God didn't show any favoritism. And, and he tells them, as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them as he'd come on us at the beginning. Then I remembered what the Lord had said. John baptized with water, but you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. He's like, oh, it's, it's happening now. People are being baptized with God's Holy Spirit. So if God gave them the same gift he gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? God is the, the main actor in the book of Acts. Right? It describes the birth of the church. It describes the, the church that begins to, to cooperate with God and to follow God and to go all the directions that God is sending it. But God is the one at work. And, and we just get to kind of go along for the ride. We get to cooperate with the work that he's doing. And that's what Peter says he's doing, done. That's what he's doing. He's like, who was I to think I could stand in God's way? When they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God, saying, so then, even to Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. I want to just reflect on that last phrase for a second. He's granted them repentance that leads to life. This, uh, as God's Holy Spirit works in us, as God, as God reaches out to us and we're reaching out to him, as that connection gets made, what happens in our hearts is, is repentance. What happens in us is a recognition that, okay, God, I, I need to change. I, I've been, my allegiance has been elsewhere. I've been trusting in other people or other uh, systems to, for my happiness or my fulfillment or my identity or my meaning of my life. And I, I need to give my allegiance to you. My trust is in you. I'm having a change of heart and mind. I'm repenting. Sometimes there are some, some specific behaviors in our lives that God needs us to turn from, but mainly it's a, it's a shift of the heart and a shift of the mind, a shift of the life toward God. And this repentance, this turning away from a life that I control myself and, and giving myself over to, to God's leadership, to his lordship, it says this repentance leads to life mentioned John 3.16 a moment ago, right? Uh, it says, God loved the world, so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but receive eternal life. Right? The idea is that like we're, we're on a road that leads to our perishing. We're on a road that leads just to death. Uh, in another place, the Apostle Paul says the, the wages of sin is death. That's just what it earns for us. It's, that's what grows from a life given over to sin, a life given over to just whatever I want to do. It's a road that just, just leads to death. Nothing more. But God invites us onto a different path. He invites us to, to repent, and that repentance leads to life. So what Jesus said he came to give was life, and, and a life in all its fullness, all that he created us to enjoy. And Peter is discovering, and the church is discovering, this isn't just for us, for those of us gathered here, those of us who are already kind of connected. I mean, we, we knew it was for all of us Jews, including Jews from every nation under heaven. But apparently it's not just for us. Apparently this is for the people out there, too. And I kind of wonder, who are those people that we've been thinking of as other, that we've been thinking of as outside, that we've been thinking, well, we know God works, you know, for those of us who show up on a Sunday, who, who gather together here. We, we know that God hears our prayers and, and responds to us, but... Who is it that we've been kind of writing off and thinking, yeah, but I think maybe God's given up on them. 
They're the, they're the problem in our society, right? Um, there are all sorts of ways that we divide ourselves up. Um, I know football season started, and there's jokes about, you know, Packers and Bears and those kinds of things. Uh, but nobody takes that stuff seriously. But <clears throat> well, I don't think anyway. <laughs> Sorry, I'm getting some looks like, oh, I don't know. Um, I guess I don't take it seriously. So I don't, I'm guessing there's most of us aren't going to get in like big fights with somebody over, you know, which team you cheer for. Maybe you do. But man, we get in fights and divide over who we vote for. Which party has our allegiance? Political party. Oh, that'll divide a family. That'll divide a friendship real quick. We've seen that over the last few years as things have gotten uglier and uglier. It's real easy for us to, to well, I mean, let me just step aside. Maybe it's not so easy for us. The, uh, the way that the people who want our votes and our money have found is easiest to get our votes and money is to paint the other side as the evil enemy that is destroying our country or destroying our moral fiber of our nation or whatever it might be. And whichever side of that line you're on, that red-blue divide, you know what I'm talking about because you've heard people describe how the people on the other side are, you know, hurting our children or hurting our economy or whatever it might be, right? We've got a long list of ways that the people on the other side are evil, can't be trusted. We've got to make sure we you know, vote them out of office and elect our person and all of that. We're, we're really good at dividing ourselves politically. And this is something that I think maybe, <laughs> maybe we need to be open to the fact that God might be at work in the hearts of some of the people on the other side of that line, just like he's at work in your heart. That's just one way that we divide ourselves up. Now, there are others that we could talk about. But Peter's discovering that this way that had been ingrained in them for generations, we're the Jews, they're the non-Jews, we're the people of God, they're those dirty, rotten heathens out there. And, uh, but you know what? God now is saying, look, if they're reaching out to me, I'm not going to refuse them. Let them know about Jesus. Let them know about you know, this, this life that is possible. I'll give them the Holy Spirit just like I've given to you. I'll help them. I'll grant them repentance that leads to life. Just like I've granted it to you. That's, that's the way all of us come to faith in Jesus. It's by God's grace. That's, that's where, yeah, that's where he goes a little bit later. So, like four chapters later, uh, these things come to a head again. So, in the meantime, uh, some of the stuff we were seeing on the video, Paul is, is journeying around and, and going to some of these other communities, and, and we're seeing more and more Gentiles come to faith in Christ, and pretty soon it comes to a head, because there are some folks back in Jerusalem, you know, the, the good Jewish Christians who are saying, wait a minute, they're, they're all getting circumcised, right? They're all following the, the laws of Moses. They're all becoming good Jews, aren't they? They're not? Well, they have to. And they're starting to go out and say, hey, guys, 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 wait, if you're going to follow Jesus, you gotta, you're, you're becoming part of the family of Abraham. You're becoming a Jew like us. You, there are dietary rules you have to follow. There's, there's a certain surgery all you guys have to get. There's, there's all the stuff you guys have to do now if you're going to be a part of God's people. And they convene a church council. They, people gather together in Jerusalem. Acts chapter 15, it's the first kind of church council that we, that we <laughs> have recorded where the whole church gets there to like discuss and debate and try to figure out how do we go forward here. It says in verse 6 of Acts 15, the apostles and elders met to consider this question. It says, after much discussion, it'd be really interesting to know what that discussion looked like, but after much discussion, might have been heated, might have gotten, hopefully not ugly, but after much discussion, Peter got up and addressed them. Brothers, you know that some time ago, I don't know how much time has passed, but some time ago, God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. God who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them just as he did to us. I know there's an interesting phrase in there. God, who knows the heart. It's like, it's like he's pointing out, like, God knows their hearts. I, I don't, and you don't. I can't see into their heart. I don't know what motivates them. That's a part of a lot of those divides that we get into. A lot of the way those discussions get ugly is we make assumptions about what's going on in the heart of that other person, don't we? What's motivating them? Oh, well, surely they wouldn't vote that way or they wouldn't say that thing or they wouldn't do what they're doing if they didn't want to and we read some motive into their actions that might not be there at all. When we make those kinds of assumptions, negative assumptions about others, we make all kinds of negative assumptions about others that we'd, we'd never want them to make about us, right? 
If they're confused about what we do, if we do something that disagrees with what they want, I, I would hope, if it was me, okay, let me just speak personally, if I do something and you're like, why did he do that? My hope is that you would assume that I've got some good reason, that you'd extend some grace my way, that you would say, oh, you know, he must have a good reason. I'll ask him next time I bump into him. Hey, what's going on there? You know, not that you would assume, uh-oh, Pastor Rich has gone off the rails. He's doing this. He's, well, he's deceived. He's, well, you know, my hope is that you would extend grace, that you would think there must be some good explanation, and I'll ask him. But we don't tend to do that. We want others to give us grace and to assume good motives, but we're very quick to think we know the hearts of others and to assume negative, uh, negative motivations. He says, God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them just as he did to us. Now, again, he says just as he did to us. It's like, well, it didn't have all the same stuff, but we, the Holy Spirit was clearly present. You know, and as, we, as the book of Acts continues, we, we see this, this happen a few more times, and sometimes there's a mention of speaking in tongues, sometimes there's not, and it, it seems to be that God knows, like at these certain major junctures, like, oh, I got to do something spectacular to make sure they know that I'm really there, and he does this. He says, he did not discriminate between us and them, for he purified their hearts by faith. So he speaks then to what the Holy Spirit's doing in them. He's not just giving them this, this momentary ability to speak other languages. He's, he's purifying their hearts. As they have repented and turned to God, he, he purifies their hearts. He changes them from the inside out. And this is what God has done for these Gentiles. He says, now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear? He's like, why would you pile the whole law of Moses on them? He says, we've not been able to get this right for thousands of years. And now you're going to try to put that on them? He says, no. We believe it is through gr the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved just as they are. He recognizes following all those rules isn't what saves us. Now, that might be good to do that. It might be good to follow those rules. And, and, and I think probably a lot of these early Jewish Christians continued to follow, you know, a lot of the, the kosher laws and all these kinds of things. And in fact, the decision that gets made by this council and what they ask the Gentile Christians to do, some of those things seem to be with the purpose of making sure that Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians can hang out together can sit down at a table and have a meal together, you know, um, to make sure that they're uh, able to... Um, to have community, to be, to be family. But, but it's the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's by his grace that we're saved, just as they are. So let's not lay a heavy burden on them. God is already purifying their hearts just because they're trusting in Jesus. And that's what he does for each and every one of us. When we put our trust in him, when we find ourselves reaching out to God and God reaches back, when that connection is made, God doesn't refuse anyone. Doesn't matter their political party. Doesn't matter what community they might be a part of. I mean, just, just imagine that person that you think of as other right now and just think, you know what, if they reach out to God, God has already been reaching out to them. Just like for me in my story, you know, God was reaching out to me before I ever was aware enough to reach out to him. And when that connection was made, God by his Holy Spirit helped me to repent God's going to help them to repent. But you know what? Their repentance and their life might not look the same as my repentance in my life. You know, they're not expecting all these Gentiles to become good Jews. And these people we've been thinking, they, they might keep voting for the same people they voted for before. <laughs> right? Not every, that doesn't mean they're going to suddenly agree with everything that you think or do because they've come to Jesus. Hopefully, as we all trust in Jesus and we all move toward Jesus, we find ourselves moving closer and closer together. But it won't always look the same in their life as it looks in your life. Now, as the, as the conversation continues, so Peter says this. And then it says, The whole assembly became silent as they listened to Barnabas and Paul telling about the signs and wonders God had done among the Gentiles through them. You know, that's like Peter says this, hey, look, you know, I was the first one to do this, and, and you guys trust me, right? I mean, <laughs> we've, been, we've been together for a lot. And then... Paul and Barnabas speak up and like, hey, us too. God's been doing all these amazing things. And when they'd finished, James spoke up. James, the brother of Jesus, who was the leader of the church there in Jerusalem. And so he's kind of the chairperson of this little, this little conclave or whatever. James spoke up. Brothers, he said, listen to me. Simon, Peter, has described to us how God, God first intervened to choose a people for his name from the Gentiles. Again, 
This is God that's at work. This wasn't some decision Peter made. The words of the prophets are in agreement with this, as it's written, and he quotes, I think it was Amos. It says, after this I'll return and rebuild David's fallen tent. Its ruins I will rebuild and I will restore it, that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord. Even all the Gentiles who bear my name, says the Lord, who does these things, things known from long ago. He's like, well, guys, the prophets told us this a long time ago, that God was going to call Gentiles to himself. Now he's doing it. Let's trust him. It's my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. And this is the part that I need to listen to right here. All right? This is the part, if you're a Christian, long-time Christian, this is the part you might need to listen to. We should not make it difficult for people who are turning to God. People who are outside of our comfort zone. People who are other than what we uh, are expecting. We shouldn't make it difficult. We shouldn't raise unnecessary boundaries or hurdles for them to have to jump over. Instead, he says, we should write to them, telling them to abstain from food polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from the meat of strangled animals, and from blood. He just goes, like, they make this short list of four things. Like, if they can abstain, and, and just to let you know, Christians for a long time have been con- a little confused about this list, all right? Like, maybe it was for this reason, maybe it was for that reason, and the, the reason that makes the most sense to me is, like I said earlier, because they, they understand this, these, they're going to be churches made up of some Jews, some Gentiles, and we need them to be able to, like, do life together. And so if the Gentiles can just, like, you know, make these concessions, then we'll be able to, to, to get together. It says, for the law of Moses has been preached in every city from the earliest times and is read in the synagogues every Sabbath. It's like, there are Jews all over the place. And, uh, and if people want to know what, what God said through Moses to the Jews, they can, they can hear it. But at the very least, let's just have the Gentiles do these things so that we can all, uh, so we can all get along. Now, I'm kind of glad that this, uh, this theme came up on this day uh, as we're celebrating 23 years together as a church um, because this is something we've been trying to do from the beginning as a church. It's one of the reasons we started Living Hope, right? Uh, because we wanted to be a church for all people. We want to be a church that anyone could walk into and feel at home, that anyone could walk into and say, um, yeah, you know what? These people, they, they welcome me. They're not making it difficult for me. Um, and so we'll, we'll maybe make it a little more difficult for ourselves in order to make it easier for others. That's kind of the, the way we decided when we started. That's why for uh, nine years we set up and tore down in a banquet hall every Sunday, right? Because we thought this is a space, it's kind of a neutral space. People can meet here and they won't feel put off. They won't feel like lightning's going to strike if they walk into a sanctuary, you know, something like that. Um, um, now, we put up a cross. We sang, you know, we sang Christian songs. We read from the Bible. Uh, it was a Christian church. No hiding that in any way. But we did whatever we could to make it so that people could walk in and, and be comfortable and, and to make sense to them and all of that. Using modern translations of the Bible and sing songs with guitars and stuff. And, you know, do things that maybe there are Christians who are like, oh, but I miss the organ, or oh, I miss the hymn books, or oh, I miss the... Boy, I understand. All right, I grew up with all that stuff. And, and I feel nostalgic every time I walk into a church that's singing from a hymnal and has got the piano and organ up front. And, and I enjoy that, right? Um, but it's a dwindling number of us who enjoy that, right? That's, that's, not the, that's not the music that most of us listen to in our, in our cars. Most of you probably don't turn on organ music as you're driving to, to work or whatever. Um, I'm guessing if there are some of you, that's, that's cool. But, um, so we decided we'll be a church, and we'll try to do the, the way we do church. We'll try to do it in a way that, that is, is open and welcoming and accepting of folks, no matter who they are, no matter where they've been, no matter, no matter their socioeconomic status, no matter how much success they've got in the eyes of this world. No matter uh, young or old, whatever ability, uh, we just want to make sure everyone is welcome here. And you guys do an excellent job of that. You have done an excellent job for 23 years. I thank you for being that kind of church, uh, a church that I still enjoy being the pastor of. And uh, someday you'll get tired of me being up here and you'll kick me out and you'll find someone else. But until that time, uh, I'm thrilled to continue pastoring this church and uh, who knows? I was going to say another 23 years? i got to do the math. I'm not sure. Well, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, I don't know I'll last that long. But anyway, um, thank you for helping this be a church where anyone can walk in and know that they are loved, know that they are welcome. Uh, you might not agree with them on any number of things, but you have done an excellent job of embracing them and welcoming them and letting them, letting, helping them to experience the love of God through you. 
I, I hope and pray that we continue to do that. And I don't know what that will look like in the days ahead. All right, we'll see. We'll see where God leads us. We'll see. What, I don't know what visions God's going to give you, you know, about, uh, you know, animals being lowered in the sheet and all that kind of stuff. I, we'll see where God leads us, all right? We're going to do our best to keep up with the God who continues to love people that might surprise us and do our best to continue to welcome them to be a part of his church, um, just like he has welcomed all of us. So let's bow our heads. We need to pray, and we're going to celebrate communion together um, before we close this thing out. God, thank you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you uh, for sending someone to tell me about Jesus. Each one of us, God, we can, we can think of those who, who told us. Maybe it was parents or grandparents. Maybe it was a friend or a family member, somebody who invited us to church, someone who went out of their way to love us and serve us. Maybe they had to cross some, some barriers to do that. God, we are so grateful for those who are willing to, to listen to your Holy Spirit and to go when you say go. God, we don't want to wait until some kind of persecution breaks out. We don't want to wait until we're forced to, to leave our comfort zone. God, I, I pray that you would just lead us, that you would help us to be open to what you want to say to us and do in us, that you would break our hearts for the things that break yours, for the, for the people uh, who are crying out to you that maybe no one has reached out to them, and you're nudging us to reach out. God, help us just to stay sensitive to your Holy Spirit, to be open to you as you continue to lead us. Just as you have for these past 23 years, God, we want to follow you even more closely in the 23 years to come. Thank you, God. Thank you that you never give up on us. That however far we wander, um, you never do just give up, but you continue pursuing us. You continue reaching out to us so that one day when we finally come to our senses and reach out to you, we find you there ready, ready to grab hold of us, ready to grant us that repentance that leads to life, ready to help us to see our situation for what it truly is, to see the mess that we've made, to see the ways that our attempts at goodness uh, are just that, God, but that, to see how, how beautiful the life can be that you lead us into as we trust and follow you. Thank you, God, that today we get to celebrate this with this sacrament of Holy Communion, offering to you these gifts of bread and juice. We pray that by your Spirit's presence here, we might meet our crucified and risen Savior in his body and in his blood, remembering the great price that was paid to set us free, to make sure that we could experience this grace, this, this life, this freedom. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for holding nothing back, but out of love for me, out of love for each one of us, out of love for those people on the outside. You held nothing back, but you gave your life. By your death and resurrection, you broke the power of sin and death, and you set us free. God, we offer ourselves to you today, acknowledging our need of your grace and mercy, confessing to you the ways that we have fallen short the ways we've not loved you with all that we are and not loved our neighbors as ourselves, the ways we have kept others on the outside. God, we confess and we give you thanks that when we confess our sins, you are faithful and just. You forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's what the Bible says. And that's what we have experienced. You have granted us this repentance that leads to life. Help us to experience the fullness of this life and grace, this freedom that you have purchased for us by your own blood, Lord Jesus. Please grant us the gift of your Holy Spirit. Fill us afresh with the Spirit of Christ so that we might be changed from the inside out. Purify our hearts by faith as we trust in you. Cleanse our hearts from all the ugliness, from all the, the ungraciousness, <laughs> from all the ways that we have looked down on others or turned others into an enemy instead of, instead of seeing them as people loved by you. God, please change us from the inside out. Purify our hearts so that we might live in this world as the body of Christ, as your hands and feet, as your sons and daughters as your people, loved by you. 
Thank you, God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you pray with me the prayer that Jesus taught us? Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. The musicians are going to come and lead us in one last song as we celebrate communion together. I'll be here with a basket of bread and a cup of juice. And as we sing, you're invited to come forward, take bread from the basket, dip it in the juice, and eat it, and then return to your seats. Uh, it's open to all of us who are saying yes to Jesus today. Whether you want the regular bread, the gluten-free bread, or get, grab one of the little cups. Or if you can't make your way forward, we've got the cups on the tables. And as we sing, you can peel those back and get to the bread and get to the juice and join us at the table of our Lord Jesus. Let's give him thanks for the amazing grace and love he has shown us. Thank you again, God. 
for granting us that repentance that leads to life. We surrender ourselves to you. All that we have, God, we freely offer to you because you know what to do to do with us. You know what to do with these lives you've given us. You know the beauty that you can create with each one of us, the gifts that you've given us, and all the good that can be done in the world through us if we will just entrust ourselves to you. Thank you, God. Thank you that the story that began in the book of Acts continues on to this day. As your church continues to, uh, to do good, as your church continues to share with others the grace that you have given to us. Thank you, God. Thank you for this good work. Thank you for 23 years together as a church. Thank you for uh, all the good that we have seen happen and all the good that we will continue to see as we continue to trust and follow you. We are so glad to be a part of the work you are doing here in the world, God. Pray this all with uh, great anticipation of what is yet to come. Pray this in Jesus' name. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.